0: Amen. All right, Daniel chapter 5 this morning, Daniel chapter 5, amen, amen, I like it, I like church, I enjoy church, I, I, hope, I hope you don't have to endure church, I, I enjoy being here, I like being here with God's people, but I like being here with God, amen, all these fine wonderful people in here. But I tell you what, God's a God's a wonderful God and I I love being here. All right, Daniel chapter 5 this morning, <clears throat> I want to preach to you a message this morning called uh today's promotion may mean nothing tomorrow. Today's promotion may mean tomorrow. And I think if you un- if you're familiar with this story, I think you'll understand what we're talking about. You look here. Let me try and find a couple of passages that'll help you really get an understanding of what's going on. Look here in verse uh, uh, verse 5. This is Daniel chapter 5, verse 5. The Bible said, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick upon the placer of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loin were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. His knees was knocking. And verse 7, the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet, and that's a sign of wealth, and have a chain of gold about his neck. And shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. I think you hopefully understand where we're reading that. This is where Belshazzar has gone down. Uh, If you know something about the history of Israel, Nebuchadnezzar has gone down into Judah, into Jerusalem, and he's ransacked Jerusalem. And part of that ransacking Jerusalem, part of that conquering of that place, he went through the house of the Lord, God's house, the temple. And he pulled out all the stuff that was made of gold and he carried it off to Babylon to the house of his God. I believe that house was in Shinar, as a matter of fact. But he puts all that stuff down there. And then this here fellow, a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar, he wants to have a party. And so he says, well, let's get, what better thing can we have than, you know, cups of gold and all these implements of gold. And I mean, hey, it came out of the house of God, but it's not my God, so let's go down there and let's get it. So he went down there and he got it. And then the passage that we just read said all of a sudden while he was having a high old time with all of the folks there, all of a sudden out of the middle of nowhere shows up a hand and starts writing on the side of the wall. Uh, Listen, if a hand shows up here in here this morning and starts writing on the side of the wall, it might as well be a rattlesnake in here. Y'all going to be having church without me. And so, when, and so when Belshazzar's sitting here and he's trying to have a high old time and his hand shows up, obviously he gets a little nervous. I mean, I say that tongue in cheek. The Bible said that the joints of his loin were loosed, verse 6, and his knees smote one against another. And he wants to know, hey, what's this all about? What's it mean? Wouldn't you? I, I sure would. Of course, I say that, but knowing this story, I'm not so sure I'd want to know. Let me, ignorance is bliss is what they say. Well, hey, God, I all these fellas, and hey, come tell me what all this means. Well, verse 10, now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever, let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There's a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Ooh, that's a, that's a different sort of gods. Yes. They're holy gods. You know know how we can recognize the right religion? How you can recognize the right religion? It's holiness. Yes, sir. You find that in Romans chapter 1. But in whom, verse 11, And in the days of thy father light and understanding of wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father, the king, I say, thy father made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, forasmuch as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams, showing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. Hey, Daniel can tell you what this is all about. Whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let uh, Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. Well, uh, to abbreviate the reading of the passage, you go on down and they bring him in. And Belshazzar, who is the the descendant of Nebuchadnezzar, he looks at Daniel and he says, hey, I've heard that you can tell me what all this is about. I've heard in use the spirit of the holy gods. He said, if you can tell me what this is all about, he said, I'll make you very rich. Uh, to use a phrase that Balak was telling Balaam, he said, I'll, I'll promote you to great honor. And you know what Daniel said? Let your riches and wealth be to thyself. He said, just keep all that stuff. He said, but I'll tell you what it means. Yes, sir. And so he gets on down here. And he preaches him a little sermon before he tells him what it means. Don't you hate it when preachers do that? <laughs> hey, what's this mean? Brother Clint asked me a question. He, he asked me a question uh, out of the Bible on Sunday night. He said, he said I really want to know what this is all about. And I said, I'm not sure I really have time to tell you. And uh, so then we went to Burger King. And so I sat down right in front of him. I said, let's talk about this. And about... 30 minutes later, we finally started eating our sandwich. It's fun, man. You say, what was I doing? I really wasn't preaching him no sermon. But, you know, a lot of times somebody sit down with somebody and say, I'd like to know what this means. Well, let me preach you a sermon first. And that's exactly what Daniel did. Daniel started preaching to this fellow. And you know what he told him? Well, he wasn't very nice. But it had to be said for the time that was going on. Here's something being written on the side of the wall. And he said, listen, what Daniel's basically saying is, you're not going to really understand this until I give you an introduction to this message. So here's the introduction. Your father Nebuchadnezzar had this great kingdom. I'm paraphrasing. It's right there in the passage. You go home and read it or read it right now. Of course, try and read and listen to me if you're going to do that. But he said, your, your, your father Nebuchadnezzar had this great kingdom. And he said, God exalted him. God exalted him. Nebuchadnezzar didn't exalt himself, but he said God exalted him. Made, made his kingdom above every other kingdom in the entire world. And he said Nebuchadnezzar got the big head. And he said when he did that one day he was walking out. Now, I'm adding a little bit in here according to what's being said, but this is the story how it goes. You go back in uh, the book of Daniel, you see this. He said, Daniel, he said Nebuchadnezzar was walking out one day and he looked at all this kingdom of Babylon and he said, man, he said, Look at all these riches and all, all these riches and all this wealth that my hands got me for the glory of the majesty of my kingdom. And he said, all of a sudden there was a voice that came out of heaven and said, To you, O King Nebuchadnezzar, it's spoken. The kingdom's departed from you. And you know what Nebuchadnezzar started doing? He got down on all fours. And the Bible said he started eating grass like an ox. Mmm. That's how I feel when I preach to some folks. Sometimes I feel like I'm preaching to a bunch of folks that have got down on all fours and starting to. That happened. We joke about that, but that really happened. God turned that fellow. God let the Bible said God let his understanding go from him. You know what the Bible says in the book of Psalms? It says a man that's in honor without understanding is like the beasts that perish. Well, there was a fellow who God let his understanding go to him, and buddy, he sure enough got down on all fours. Bible said he started eating grass like an ox. Said his servants came in there one day and, "Hey, what's going on?" No answer. They ran him out. Ran him out, and he started eating grass like an ox out out in the fields. Bible said his hair grew so long it looked like eagles' feathers. Looked like feathers, and his claws, his fingernails grew out like eagles' claws. That's the sermon that Daniel's preaching to Belshazzar. And he said, you knew all this, and yet you haven't humbled your heart. Ain't that how we are? Ain't that how we are? Man, we know. We know what God's done. We know. We see the things that God's done. But, boy, there's something in us that just, boy, don't want to humble itself. Well, look at the message. Look at the message. Look at the interpretation. Verse twenty-four. Then was part of the hand sent from him. Daniel still speaking, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Many, many, takele euphorzen. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many, God hath numbered thy kingdom as finished and finished it. Takele, Te- thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Now watch this. Then commanded Belshazzar, that's the king, then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. I wonder if Daniel got the big head about that because it didn't last long. Look at verse 30. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans, slain, and Darius the Medan took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. The day that, that Daniel was promoted to great honor because he could tell the interpretation of the thing, the same, the same day, that night, that, con- that, that kingdom was conquered. It was torn to shreds by another king. Listen, Daniel's standing in the presence of Belshazzar, and he's given this interpretation. And while he's given the interpretation, the chariots and the horses... And the footmen of Darius are already on the way. They're already on the way. Now here David, he gets this, or Daniel, he gets this, this garment of scarlet, sign of royalty, sign of riches, and he gets this chain put about his neck. Daniel could have sat there very well and said, "Man, I'm third ruler in the kingdom." <sighs> Man." And then later that night it had meant nothing. It meant nothing. Yes, sir. So today's promotion may very well mean nothing tomorrow. Amen. Daniel went to bed. He went to bed, third ruler in the kingdom, and woke up starting all over again. Lord, help us today. God, I pray you help me, Lord, to get this across. And Lord, pray that you deal with your people's hearts, God. I, I pray that you'd help us, God, to realize, uh, Lord, the sobriety of the matter, the fact, Lord, that there's many things in this life, God, that amount to very little, And God, Lord, help us, Lord. I I know that, Lord, many of those things that don't amount a whole lot still have to be tended to, Lord. we, We have jobs, and, Lord, there's things that have to be taken care of, God. We can't ignore those things. But God, help us, Lord, to put the emphasis where we're supposed to put them. God, help us, Lord, to put the emphasis on the things, God, that you want us to put the emphasis on. Lord, help us to realize what those things are. And we'll thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A lot of people go through life and they give themselves to being promoted. I mean, just absolutely sell their soul to be promoted. When you think of promotion, I believe with all my heart that most people think of being promoted on a job. And I worked out at the prison, and I know that there was folks out there that would just about sell out their mama if they thought it could give them better pay and a higher position. And some of you folks probably work with people like that, and that's not the way to be. I hope you don't sell out your principles just to get along in the workforce, that's a, that's a bad place to be. You say, why? Because today's promotion may mean nothing tomorrow. Uh, sell out your spiritual principles. Sell out your personal integrity. A lot of people sell out their personal integrity. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's a sense in which a man has personal integrity. It's kind of difficult for me to explain. But, you know, I have things that I see as right and see as true, and hopefully those things are based on the Scripture but those are, those are things that, you know, I have incorporated into my life, and they're just they're standards that I have. And, you know, if, if God gets into my heart and begins to deal with me, and God takes the Scripture and deals with my heart, if God deals with my heart, I want to have a willing heart to change those things. I, I really do. If God takes a preacher and that preacher preaches to me and wrenches my hide over the coals, I want to be in the place to where I will change my heart and change my attitude. But you know what I really don't want to do? I don't want to live my life changing the way that I think and changing what I believe and changing the way that I act just to make somebody happy. You say, what is that? That's part of personal integrity. I, I guess that really went over like a lead balloon. Maybe you don't understand what I'm saying. You know, I, uh, I, I use my, my situation as a preacher. I'm a pastor of two churches, and, you know, it would be very easy for me to come in and say something that makes somebody mad. You know, and when it makes somebody mad, man, that stuff shows up on people's faces. I don't have to go to you and say, hey, did I make you mad? Because I can see it. I, I can't see it all the time. and Some people, man, just get mad and, you know, disappear and never come back, and, well, okay, I guess, guess I made him mad. But, you know, I could very easily take that stuff, and I've said this before, I could take that stuff and let that, use, let that be used to sway me from what I'm fully convinced the Scripture says and what it teaches and what I'm supposed to believe and what I'm supposed to say to you, to exhort you and edify you. I could let that stuff sway me. Yes, sir, you know what that is, though? That's really a compromise of my personal integrity. I think I said it a couple of services ago. I really want to be in a place in my own heart and in my own life to where if I stand up and say something that's incorrect, if I say something that's grievous to the Holy Spirit, I really want to be in the position in my heart and conscience to where I'll go home and say, God, I'm sorry. And if necessary, if necessary, even come back to the pulpit and say, hey, I shouldn't have done that, which I have done a time or two, I think. I know I've done it at least once, but I've come back and said, man, I probably shouldn't have done that or something along those lines. I want to be willing to do that. But, you know, I don't want to live that way because I'm scared to death of what people think of me. And listen, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know. I'm not a fly on the wall in your house, but if I had to guess, I'd say a lot of you folks... I hope not. I I really hope I'm wrong about this. But if I had to guess, I'd say a lot of your life, some of you, I hope not. But I'd have to say that maybe a lot of you is really in a situation to where most of the decisions you make in your life is done out of fear of what somebody else thinks of you. That's really a sad, sad way to live. You're not living with any kind of liberty. Listen, some of you, I know, I know. I have said things from the pulpit. I've said things from the pulpit. And I don't recommend that everybody say the things that I've said. But I've said things from the pulpit uh, pretty strong. Some of it may be too strong. I'm not going to give a whole lot of thought to that because I'm just not going to give a whole lot of thought to it. If the Lord, if, I, if I'm wrong about it, I believe full well that God will help me to see that. Amen. Can't walk around in doubt about the things that you say. But, you know, the things that I've said's been true. Folks will sit there and, you know, sit there and think, and well, I, I wonder if he really should have said that. I don't know what folks will think, but it, you know what? I don't want my preaching to be determined by what you think. I want my preaching to be determined by what God thinks, by what the Scripture says. And if that makes you upset, boy, I hope you don't disappear. I hope you don't go nowhere, but I'd rather have the attitude of bye than bring my personal integrity to the level of, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Because now what I am is I'm a preacher that's run by the congregation yeah. instead of a preacher that's run by God. Amen. Now listen, I'm not preaching to pastors. I'm preaching to Christians. You know, Christians have that same mindset. Christians make a lot of the decisions that they make because they're horrified that, somebody's not going to approve of what I'm doing. And you know what you're really doing? You're looking for promotion. Yes, sir. It'd be very easy for me as a pastor to go back to this illustration. It'd be very easy for me to look for promotion among the congregation. Oh, he's such a wonderful preacher. He's so nice. I don't even like that term. He's so nice. That's code for he's a sissy. Man, that's exactly what it means. Now, I'm not being very demonstrative this morning, but I'm telling you, that's what it means. I've had my mama, and I love my mama, but I've had my mama tell me a time or two, now be nice. You know what that translated to? Don't punch the boy in the nose. (laughs) Yes, sir. And when you find preachers that's really concerned about, oh, he's being nice, or, well, we have to be nice, Brother Nathan, or we have to be nice, preacher. What that is is don't say anything that's really going to rock the boat. Let's, let's visit some past history I don't have a whole lot of time this morning but I recall one instance to where I got up here on a Sunday morning you'd disagree with this if you want to but I got up here with a, on a Sunday morning with a rebel flag around my neck pranced around the platform boy it made some folks very uncomfortable Afterwards, it made me real uncomfortable. I started thinking about it. thought, man, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But you know who I was preaching to, Brother Michael? I was preaching to a crowd filled with southern country people. And they got up, many of them got upset with me. Why? I thought that's who I was. I thought that's who you were. Now, I mean, if you was a Yankee sitting in here, I could understand. I mean, not really, but... I could come closer to understanding that. But I don't think there was, a, there was a Yankee sitting in here that morning. You know what there was? There was a bunch of Georgia natives, a bunch of Floridians sitting in here. All folks that live in an area, part of the country, to where that was just, that's where we grew up. I'm not trying to make a church about the Confederate flag, but it was real instructive to me. It was very instructive to me. You say, in what capacity? You know why a lot of those folks got mad? It's not because they didn't like a rebel flag, it's because of what the news media has portrayed to them. If you like a rebel flag, then you are a white chauvinist bigot. And there's a bunch of folks sitting in in the church that morning who are of that persuasion. And if it wasn't for the news media, if it wasn't for a bunch of black folks, they wouldn't have cared that I'd done something like that. You know what it was? They was looking for promotion among some certain group of folks. Well, if I I smile while this preacher's got a rebel flag around his neck, then that means that I'm a bigot. That means that the news media and the rest of the world and all these black people is going to think that I'm a bigot. That's what it meant. That's, That's how it rolled out. And that's how a lot of people run their life. You know, I thought about it. I thought about it. Man, I thought about it for years. It's been, I think, the first year I was pastored I did that. And I thought about it for that long. I was sitting around in here thinking uh, not just a couple of weeks ago and I thought, you know what, why should I be upset over that thing? Why should I be afraid of that thing? If nothing else, I had some personal integrity and I wasn't going to let a bunch of folks push me off of that. You say, what is, what's that all about? You say, what it is is it's people looking for promotion among the wrong kind of people. Hey Amen. boy. Well, it sure is quiet in here, but it's true. It's true. Whether or not you agree with the rebel flag, I could care less. I got one in my office. You try and come take it down, we're going to be upset with you. You say, what you going to do? I'm not sure. I'm a pretty scrawny fella. I'll have to hire me a couple of bodyguards to help me out, but... But that's not the point of the message. The point of the message is not you should like a rebel flag. The the point of the message is that why people get so upset over stuff like that. You know, a lot of fellas run their homes out of fear of what the missus is going to say. Looking for promotion from the wrong place. A lot of mamas and daddies run their homes out of fear of what the kids is going to say. You say, what's the matter? They're looking for promotion from the wrong place. Now, what you don't realize, listen to me, I, this might be a beat-em-up, bang-em-up message like Brother Stalker says, but I'm, I'm really trying to get you to see that promotion that you're looking for. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning and it's going to be nothing. Listen, here was a fella named Abraham and he had a wife named Sarah whose womb was barren. The Bible said, God came to Abraham and said, 90 years old. That's past childbearing age. You're going to have a boy. You know what Abraham did? He believed the Lord. You know what Sarah did? (laughs) It wasn't that loud because she laughed laughed in herself. She said, I'm past childbearing age. And the Lord was outside the tent when he told Abraham that. And he said, why'd your wife laugh? I, I didn't laugh. Surely thou didst laugh. Yes, sir. You know what? A couple years went by and Sarah still hadn't had a child. You know what she did? Here's my handmaiden, Hagar. Go in unto her and she'll bear children on my knees. Abraham did it. For what motive, I'm not really sure, but I believe a lot of fellows follow the advice of their wife. And listen, I'm not trying to imply at all of course, if, you take, if this is the only way you're going to take it, I, I don't know how to explain it to you any better way, but I'm not trying to imply at all that a woman's advice is always wrong, but that was wrong. That was really bad advice. You say, how can you prove that that was bad advice? Ishmael is the father of obviously the Ishmaelites. That's all those Arabs and ragheads over in the Middle East. They've been slaughtering the real descendants of Abraham the entire time they've been around. That's a bad decision, Abraham. You know what got him to go that way? Just maybe being afraid of what his wife would think if he said, no, we're just going to trust God. Yes, sir. You say, what is it? Just looking for promotion from the wrong place. A man going to sell out his personal integrity to maybe get a better job to become a supervisor down at his workforce. You know, you got to kind of let a cuss word come out of your mouth every once in a while to really fit in and be popular. A fellow begin to compromise. Hmm? Somebody come along and tell a dirty joke, and you know, you can't you can't really express discontent because I mean you gotta you gotta fit in, but you don't really have to laugh. So you just kind of sit there and smirk. You say for what purpose? Looking for promotion. A lot of folks is that way, just looking for promotion. Yes, sir. But what you gonna listen? I'm telling you what you're going to do is you're going to wake up tomorrow morning you're going to find out that that promotion means nothing and you're going to have to start all over again. Hey, if you'll come down here and you'll do this, listen, if you'll come down here and you'll do this, I'll promote you to great honor. You remember that? I told you a minute ago that was from Balak to Balaam. He said, man, he said, if you'll come curse me, Israel, he said, I will promote you to great honor. And Balaam said, I can only go as far as the Lord tells me to go. Those princes come and say, hey, well, come on, let's go. And he says, man, let me go pray about it. He goes in there God says, don't go. I can't go. They'll go back. Balak sends some more princes. Hey, Balak said he'll promote you to great honor. He said, I got to pray about it. I can go, only go as far as God lets me go. And he gets in there and the Lord tells him, he said, if the men rise up in the morning and call for thee to go, go with them. You know what Balak does? He comes out and says, the Lord said I can go. That's not exactly what the Lord said. What caused him to get his, to get his his wires crossed? What got him messed up to where he couldn't really discern what the Lord said? Well, second Peter said he loved the wages of unrighteousness. He had a love for money. He was really interested he was really interested in what he could put in his pocket when Balak came and said, "Hey, I'll promote you to great honor." There was something in there that really just got just tugged at his heartstrings. Hey. I know you're pastoring a little church down in Folkestone, Georgia that only pays you X, Y, Z. Hey, if you'll come over here, we'll pay $100,000 a year. Oh, I feel led of the Lord to go over here. That's what, that's what was going on with Balaam. We call that a green lead. It's not leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's leadership of George Washington and Ben Franklin. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What you're going to do is you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and find out all of that stuff means nothing. You get down into the book of Joshua and into the book of Deuteronomy. And you find out that when Israel went into the land of Canaan, guess who they found? Balaam. You know what they did with him? They killed him. I guess maybe you shouldn't have been down there. You know what Balaam did? He said, Man, I can't, you know, I hope you've know the story there in numbers. He said, Man, I can't curse Israel. They're blessed of God. He said, But Balak, I'll tell you how to get God to curse them. He said, Send you, send you little girls down there in some miniskirts. And they started committing whoredoms, started mixing in. And sure enough, in the next chapter, God started coming through with a slaughter and wiping them out. Over 20,000 of them wiped out. It's bad. It's bad. You say, who did that? Balaam. Why? Because he wanted to be promoted to great honor, like Balak said he'd do for him. And he woke up the next morning, and here comes in the children of Israel. I say the next morning, it might have been a week later, might have been a month later, but he comes in the next morning and come to find out it all means nothing. Listen, if you're dead, if you're dead, what's an extra $4 an hour going to do for you? Listen. If your if your house is in shambles, and your kids don't have any respect for you, and your wife can't get along with you, she can't say a kind word to you. What good is a job that you're making twenty extra thousand dollars a year? Yeah. Yeah. Listen. Let me let me ask you this: If you've got a wonderful job, or maybe you're accepted with the folks down there at the workplace, or maybe even accepted with the folks sitting right here in this church. Because I believe with all of my heart that is what governs a lot of people in church. And listen, I'm thrilled to death that you're here. Whatever your motive is, even if it's wrong motives, I'm glad you're here. Because if you're here, I believe God can speak to you. I believe God can help you. He's not going to help you down at your house like he will here because what you don't have down at your house is preaching. Yes, sir. So. Whatever your motive is for being here, I'm glad you're here, but I will say this. What motivates a lot of people in church is what old brother so-and-so thinks of me. I wonder what brother Chris thinks about me. I wonder what brother Mike thinks about me. I wonder what brother Chip thinks about me. That's what motivates a lot of people. And what you're going to do is you're going to begin to tailor your life after that and you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and find out it means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing. There's one... One eternal morning that's going to dawn. And what you're going to find out is that the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters, both then and right now, then it'll be too late. But it's going to dawn on you that the only thing that matters, mattered in this life was what your Savior thought about what you was doing. Yeah. You're going to wake up that morning and find out, man, all of this promotion that I had in this life right here, it means nothing. Drove a nice four-wheel drive truck. I would love to have a 2022 GMC 3500. Big wheels on it. Of course, I'd like to get rid of all that death fluid and, you know, have it deleted and all that stuff. I know I'd probably go to prison for saying something like that. But all that stuff is stupid. But I'd, I'd love to have all that stuff. But what good's it going to do if I lay my head on my pillow and don't have peace in my heart? Yes, sir. What good's it gonna do if Brother Chris thinks well of me, but I know that I've grieved the Holy Spirit somewhere. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. You wake up one morning and find out that it means nothing. Look over in Psalm seventy five. Let me show you something about promotion. Listen, I I'm not I don't buy into this idea. You've you probably heard this song, you know. Give me a cabin on the backside of the hills of glory, and you know I'll be happy with that. I don't. I don't believe in that stuff a whole lot. Uh, I don't believe in it at all. I don't believe in that attitude. I don't believe that's a real attitude. I believe when God made man, God made man to want to progress. God made man to want to be promoted. You say, on what basis do you say that? Then. Why would God promise us rewards at the judgment seat of Christ? Because he knows that's built into a man. So I'm not telling you that it's wrong to go down to your workplace and work as hard as you can to be promoted. That's something that God put in a man. Genesis chapter 2, he puts him in a garden to dress it and to keep it. That's before the fall. Oh, see, there's something in the heart of a man that wants to be promoted. He wants to advance. He wants to go up. So the only question comes is where does that real promotion come from? And Psalm 75 tells you where it comes from. Look in Psalm 75, verse 6. The Bible says, For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. You say, where's promotion come from? God. It comes from God. Listen, your boss man may have looked at your uh, evaluations. I know there's a lot of small business guys in here, and so you may not do something that formal, but at my job, at my workplace, when I worked at the prison, we had evals that we had every year. And a lot of that stuff that was on those evals determined whether you got a promotion. Well, you may have a boss that sits down and looks over that stuff before he promotes you, but at the end of the day, it's not your boss that's promoting you. It's God. God has his hand in that stuff. And I will say this, a lot of times God allows a man to be promoted not for his success but for his destruction. I believe that's Psalm 73. That's a different subject for a different time. But I I will say this, the Lord looks at a lot of that stuff. But, you know, let me back up and not just apply this to a carnal realm. Let me try to apply it to you spiritually. There's a promotion that you can have as far as spiritual things are concerned. I think I've established this fact as far as preaching this morning. What a lot of people is chasing is the carnal promotion. And you have a, you have a large measure of influence over that, how hard you work. And that's not something to be neglected. But that's something that's, something that, that's the only thing that people look for. People sell their soul, man. They'll sell their soul for an extra $1.50 an hour. Get out of church on Wednesday night because they want their boy to succeed in baseball. And baseball practices Wednesday nights. I, that's just by chance, I'm sure. I don't believe it is. You need to compromise here and compromise there just so that you can fit in with somebody. It don't have to be monetary. It's just that esteem. I want to be esteemed in the eyes of my colleagues. Well, listen, what about this thing where God provides the promotion? That's what it says right there in Psalm 75. God provides the promotion. God gives it. All true promotion comes from the Lord. And listen, real promotion is not tied to physical things. Real promotion, not tied to the stuff that you're looking at and dealing with with your hands. Promotion's not right here. It's not all right there. Real promotion is something in here. I don't know how familiar some of you might be with with spiritual things as far as the Bible talks about. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven and there's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is something that's literal, physical. It has a real king sitting on a real throne. But there's a spiritual kingdom that's at work right now, and that's called the kingdom of God. And the Pharisees came to the Lord one day and said, hey, when's the kingdom of God going to come? Because they thought it was going to immediately appear. And he said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. It's not something that you see. He said, but the kingdom of God is something on the inside. It's within you is what he said. Well, then you come to Romans chapter 15 and you find out that that kingdom of God is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. You know what most people are selling their soul to get right now? Peace. And they think that this guy liking them is what's going to give them peace. A lot of is, a lot of ladies are selling their soul to try and get mama to be satisfied with them or to get a mother-in-law to be satisfied with them. They'll compromise their own personal integrity to get people to like them or maybe try and be buddies with their children instead of being a mama and a daddy. You say, what are they looking for? Promotion from the lo- wrong place because they think that that's where joy is going to come from and it's not. All of those things God has the monopoly on and God, God, God is the judge. He setteth up one and he putteth down another. You say, you say, why? Listen, if you're sitting in here this morning, you don't have the peace of God. I'm not talking about peace with God. That's what you get when you get saved. I'm talking about the peace that passes all understanding that you get from walking with God on a daily basis. If you're sitting in here this morning, you don't have peace with God. You don't have joy in your heart. You say, how come I don't have those things? Because God is the judge. Listen to me. Nobody is worthy of salvation. You have to recognize that. You have to recognize that you're not worthy of salvation before you can get saved. But Paul said, walk worthy. After you get saved, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. God still you judge after you get saved. You say, what's he judging? Whether or not you're worthy of that righteousness and that joy and that peace and the Holy Ghost. You say, how do I get it? Obedience. This is something that we don't, that Christians don't deal very favorably with in this day and age. And listen, I'm not going to cram it down your throat. I'm just telling you the way that it's laid out in the scripture. You say, Well, I thought that we live by grace. You do. That's how you got saved. Right now, you're living by grace, you're living by faith. But listen, did God save you just so that you could be a a skylarker? Just so that you could be a, 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 a maverick? Did God save save you so that you could be a vessel of his glory and honor? Well, if you're being a vessel of your glory and honor, then I guess what the Lord's doing is looking at you and saying, you're not worthy of being able to participate in that kingdom of God. You got saved. You're in the kingdom of God. But what's going on with a lot of folks is they're fugitives. You've been put into the kingdom of God. You can see the righteousness, Jesus Christ. You can see the joy and the peace in the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ. But what about that experience of it? Well, that has to do with your personal obedience. That's up to you. It's not a personal obedience to a preacher. It's not personal obedience to what the congregation of your church thinks. It's personal obedience to the Holy Ghost. And boy, you think that a church or a pastor is stringent Buddy, being obedient to the Holy Spirit is infinitely more stringent because I'm not with you all the time and your church is not with you all the time, but the Holy Ghost is with you every step of the way. He sees everything that you're doing. But you know what? Just as much as it's very stringent, it's a light burden is what Jesus said. You say, why? Because any time you mess things up, you get right down on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. Lord, I made a mess out of this. God, would you forgive me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You say, well, I haven't been doing that. Well, then what's going on is probably the Lord's looking at you. God's the judge. He puts one down and he sets up another. Brother Nathan, I'd really like to have that joy in my heart. I'd like to have that peace. I'd like to have righteousness show up in my, in my life. God's the judge. You say, well, where is it going to come from? Obedience. I preached you that message the other day a couple of services ago about imputed righteousness and then talking about personal righteousness. The Bible says his righteousness remains forever. Talking about a man that pulls money out of his wallet and puts it in the offering plate. You say, What is that? Does a man get does a man get righteousness? Does he get that personal righteousness because he puts money in the plate? No. He gets that personal righteousness because he's obedient. That same passage, it says, a man's supposed to give according to what God puts in his heart. It's obedience. God begin to deal with you, and you say, yes, sir. And you bow your neck to that conviction of the Holy Spirit. You bow your your stubborn iron noggin to the leadership of the Holy Ghost. You say, yes, sir, Lord, I'll do it. God say, hey, how about reading five pages right now? Well, I'm kind of in the middle of a YouTube video, Lord. It's disobedience. The Lord's going to look at that. Listen, you're not going to lose your salvation, but what the Lord's going to do is he's going to look at you and say, not worthy. And what, but you begin to bow your neck, you begin to bow your heart and say, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to submit to you. I'm willing to be obedient to you. Or you transgress and say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. Lord, you are right in your expectations, but I'm wrong in my lack of obedience. Get forgiveness for that. Lord, begin to look at you and say, worthy. Worthy. Walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Real promotion, not tied with physical things. It's tied with spiritual things. Some folks sell their soul to get promotion among the kingdoms of this world. You know what's really interesting? The devil has a kingdom. Do you know that? He's standing up there and he's tempting the Lord. He says, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 4, I believe it is, is where the temptation of Jesus Christ is. He says, the Bible said he took him up to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. And he said, all of this I'll give to you if you'll bow down and worship me. For that is delivered to me. And you know what? A lot of folks is approaching it with that kind of attitude. If I'll just, you know, do this one thing, sell out right here. Man, I get all of this. And you know, Jesus Christ said, get thee behind me, Satan. And you know, in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 14, somewhere around there, there's an angel that comes out and says, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. You know, one of the most encouraging things for the Lord right there, I imagine, sitting right there being tempted by the devil not to sell out, you know what one of the things in the back of his mind was? Book of Revelation. I'm going to get them all anyway, just not right now. What some of you is going to find out is that you're not going to be able to get all this promotion that the world has to offer. But if you'll stay faithful to the Lord, there's going to come a day where God will give you the promotion that you could have had in this life and you forewin it, you forego you that promotion, and God will give it to you in eternity. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, the Lord will give it to you. Stick with the Lord. God's way pays. God's way pays. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. You need to come to an altar. Why don't you come on? Do business with God. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, thank you, Lord, for Lord helping us, God, and thank you for good service, good spirit in here this morning. I pray that you help us. Speak to us, God. Deal with your people's hearts, God. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen them and encourage them, God. And Lord, reprove them, Lord, whatever, Lord, is needed. God, I just pray that you'd have your will and way. God, help us, Lord, to commit our ways to you, Lord, and not to sell out, God, Lord, to try and go our own way. Lord, to seek promotion and advancement today, but God, to be satisfied with the promotion, Lord, that you give us, God, the promotion that you grant us Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Some have come this morning. You need to do business with God. Why don't you come? Why don't you come?